one. Hello, and welcome to episode 198 of Three Beers in a Movie. I'm Richard Laird, and I'm with... Barry Neal. Hello, Barry. It is... We should time this one. This is May 17th, 2021, and for the first time in about God knows how long, Scotland's allowed to do a lot of things today. We can go out places, we can do things. You can't, you're in Glasgow, you're all too busy licking each other's faces, you can't actually do anything. But for us Ayrshire people, um, we're allowed to go out and do things. Um, so it's mm. very nice, the fact, we, because of this, well, not Renica, but even because you're still licking faces, we are doing this by Zoom again. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully in time, people in Glasgow will realise, stop fucking it up, really? Um, and we can all get back to normal. Yeah, uh, you know. Okay. That's what it is, man. Such a it's... laissez-faire attitude towards it, you're like, ah, nah. It's got to the point now where this has dragged on so long now that I'm actually kind of way too comfortable for my own liking about this new life. I'm way, I'm just a bit like, yeah, all right. I'm, I'm not dissimilar myself, actually. Um, yeah. Not but, not in a bad way or nothing. It's just, I kind of just accept, like, in the beginning, I was all, like, champion to fight it and all that. But now I'm just like, yeah, I'm actually quite comfortable with all, the, all of this now, you know? Kind of like the concept of not having to deal with any more than four people at any one time. It's actually not a bad yeah. idea. I, I don't really like big groups of people anyway. So, like, if I can only have, like, half oh, people, I'm like, I can handle that. I can handle, like, four people in a room. You know, yeah. I get to like more than four, I'm like, mm, I don't like this. Um, <laughs> as, a, as a Monday night, are you drinking anything on a Monday night? Uh, not right now. Uh, I've not long smashed a can of monster into my face just because I was kind of half sleeping earlier. So, just as so I was, so I was pumped up, man, for the podcast, you know, just giving you a hundred percent, hundred percent Barry, still got hundred percent Barry. Um, <laughs> You have to make up for me because I am going to have to go to my bed because this is hockey season's back in, playoffs are on. Mm-hmm. So I'm having my before bed hot chocolate so I can lull myself to sleep to wake up at midnight for a hockey match. So you have to bring the energy tonight. Um, I'll probably still be awake. <laughs> you probably will be awake, but I need to sleep because I'm up. I, I just, I, I need to sleep, Barry. I have to sleep. Um, yeah, yeah. So what we want is always be doing movie news. Anything of interest happening in your movie world? Have you seen anything that, that is, you want to jump out and tell me? Because you normally find some yeah. stupid story. No, sadly not. The only thing I've seen was, which I didn't even know was a thing, but the new uh, Saw movie, which is called Spiral. Yes. People are actually raving about it, which I'm quite surprised about. We will be getting like, high we'll praise. It next week, sir. Mm, nice. So, yes, I'm intrigued. Uh, I am intrigued. We'll discuss it next week. Uh, but that brings on to my new news, which is, I think, really exciting mm-hmm. for, for people in Britain, people in Scotland. Which is cinema's fucking back. Cinema's open today for the first time since like August. We can all go to a cinema. I haven't been yet. I'm going to go tomorrow and see something. But fucking hell, man, it's exciting to know that a cinema is open again. Um, mm. Unfortunately, I booked all my cinema trip treats for this week, and then my local cinema, which is in Glasgow, decided to can't open because of face licking Glasgow fuckers. Um, so I can't go to that one. I have to now pay money to go to a different one. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Cinema's back. I am. Gleefully happy that I can now go to the cinema and watch a movie. Um, and now, I really can't wait for it. You're going to tell the people what you've booked tickets for? Not as a book ticket for anything yet, but we are going to go and see Godzilla vs. Kong because it deserves to be seen on the biggest screen possible. Um, and I mm. think we're going to go and see Spiral the, the, from the book of Saw as well. And I think we're going to go and see The Unholy as well. So three films. But I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm honestly pumped to go back to the cinema. It's generally just so exciting. Um, yeah. 
It'll be like, it'll be like the first gig me and you go back to. You know, it's going to happen at some point. Like, you would you don't care who you're going to see at that point. You'd be so pumped to be going to going back to see like live music. This is just it feels like that. Just pumped to go back and see a film. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the big news in Britain right now. If you don't put your hand in your pockets and buy, get just get the full cinema experience. Oh yeah. Like juice, popcorn. The whole just the works. Yeah. Just go all out. Can you, you, know? you show me what a big popcorn is? I'm gonna go, no, I want a big popcorn. I want, I want like a full fucking bucket. I want a dumpster size level popcorn. Yeah. The black bag full of popcorn. Yeah, please. Just give me the black bag. Just hook the cola from the shitty syrup into my veins and then I'll finish that off with a slushy and I'll be absolutely delighted with my life. <laughs> so yeah, so Hopefully next week I can report back on what it was like going back to the cinema, um, as long as nothing else bad happens in the west of Scotland, which, let's be honest, the way things are going right now, something bad is fucking bound to happen in the west of Scotland. So, but let's go. Uh, you know, you've got that Indian variant starting to really kind of take hold in England, so, you know. So, <laughs> hold off at least till fucking Thursday. Let me go to the cinema twice, and then... <laughs> <laughs> let me get out, let me get something. Just give me that wee taste of it again, then we can, we can see where we go from there. Um, but yeah, but what we'll do now, we'll move on to the stuff we have watched this week. Um, yes. And up first is a film, for some reason, I thought you would want to watch, and I put it on the list, and um, I was less enthused by it, but I put it on the list anyway, and that is a film called Mortal Kombat, uh, directed by Simon McCoy, who is his debut feature. Um, this is not the original Mortal Kombat movie, apparently there's one in 1995, I don't know if you remember the one in 1995 with Christopher Lambert, do you recall it? No, no. Yeah, it's not very good. Um, it also spawned two sequels, so Mortal Kombat has got franchise potential. And the plot of this one, for what it is, there are, there's, there are aliens who want to come to Earth or take over the... Or aliens are from people from a different dimension want to take over Earth. And before they can do that, there is a Mortal Kombat, a battle between the Earth's greatest fighters and the people from other realms. And that is essential. So it's a, it's a fight for who gets to control Earth. The winner of the, of the big battle, Mortal Kombat, gets control of the planet. That's about the sum of it, yes? Yeah. Yes. And if that sounds stupid, then that is what it is. Um, in the film, you've got a bunch of people who you probably don't know that well. Lewis Tan, Jesse McNamee, Josh Lawson, Hiroki Sanada, and Joe Tamsland. Um, I'll start with this one, Mortal Kombat. Didn't have high hopes for it, um, I'll be honest with you. Did not have high hopes. You know, the, the ratio of good video game movies to film is exceptionally low. In fact, I don't think there is zero. There's zero. You're absolutely right. There are no good adaptations. This does not buck the trend. This is not good. It's not good. The open, there's an opening fight scene between like sort of setting like sort of 16th century Japan. That yes. was pretty cool. I enjoyed that. That was fun. That is the, that is the opening 10 minutes of film. Even opening five minutes of film. And let me just say that is the best part of the film. It is a yeah. slow, slow decline of quality all the way down. Um, yeah. I was sitting there thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that it had a budget of 55 million, I'm like, where the fuck did they spunk that money on? Because I didn't see any any worth of that in that movie. <laughs> it looked kind of cheap, I would agree. Yeah. Um, I thought some of the acting was downright atrocious. Yeah, um, the CGI I found was rough. See for a two thousand and well, late two thousand and nineteen stroke two thousand and twenty film. This was like the CGI in this film was shit. Yeah, like it looked very early two thousands. Um, very 
the scene. The plot meanders in ways it just didn't need to do. You know, it's, like, it's a bit like maybe we talk about Kong v Godzilla, which we'll talk about at length all the time, where we go, that film for the most part realized what people want to see is they want to see the big monkey hit the big lizard. Mm. That's all we wanted to see. To be honest, in a Mortal Kombat film, all you kind of want to see is unmitigated violence of people beating the shit out of each other, you know? And they spent so long putting a plot into that to make that try and make sense, which is never is never going to make sense. So why fucking bother? Try and just make it as minimal as possible. Exactly. They, the people who are sitting down to watch a Mortal Kombat movie are the people who know the franchise or at least played the games. Uh-huh. They kind of have a loose understanding about what's happening. And like you said, a bit like Godzilla and Kong, they just want to see the fight scenes and the action and the interest in death. They've got no interest whatsoever hearing about the the main guy's fucking family problems. It's like Hi. we just you know what I mean? Get back to fighting, please. Yeah. I'll give it I'll give this. There's one person who actually did quite enjoy it, and that was the guy the guy Josh Lawson. He played Kano. He played the, the big yes. Aussie boy in it. He seemed to understand the stupidity of it. Mm. And he seemed to have a bit of fun with it. He seemed to know that it was this is ultimately fucking ridiculous, so let's make it that. Everyone else is playing it so straight and so sort of like thinking they're doing Shakespeare going, this is not Shakespeare, people. You've got to, be, you've got to lean into the fun and the, the silliness of it. Um, yeah. Like the action I thought was pretty bland. Dialogue at times was beyond farcical. Um, it does kind of hint at being fun in the final third when they all start fighting. It does sort of hit the point where like, this could be fun. But again, it just it doesn't really peek into fun. It, it gets vaguely interesting. Um, yeah. By that point, I found it was a, a little bit too little too late. And yes. I got the vibe, without spoiling anything, I got the vibe that at the end of the movie, they're really fucking pushing for a for a sequel or a, franch- a franchise. Oh. And it's just about, like, concentrate on getting the on the first one nailed, oh. you know? That's why I go like, why the fuck are you sequel baiting this shit? It's like, give us a, give people a film that's make what you watch where you start trying to get a sequel totally. And like you said yeah. earlier on, even the CGI felt very 2000s. The whole film just felt mm. like something from the early 2000s. You know, it I, felt like felt like I can like a bunch of like 60 year old white men sitting in a room figuring out I know what video games is, this is what we'll do. And you go, mm. you've never you don't get it, you don't understand this shit. It just it felt by like filmed by committee a lot of times. Exactly. This is the problem. Is this is a game franchise that doesn't really work as a movie, and this is why we've never seen a fucking Street Fighter movie since that other one in the nineties. It's like it just doesn't work. Beat 'em up games don't work as movies because the plot is that thin. It's literally just bad guys versus good guys, and they're kicking fuck out each other in a tournament. That's it. That's the whole entire premise there's nothing else there's, there's no levels of deepness so to sit there and try and conjure up a script you are digging fucking deep and adding right. bullshit that doesn't need to be there i watched a film the other night there called golden arm which okay. is about female arm wrestling no just about arm wrestling a woman who becomes an arm wrestler right it's a comedy yeah. it's completely stupid right it's based on, it's not based on, but it's sort of, it's almost like an update of the, have you ever seen Celeste Stallone film called um, Over the Top when he plays a truck driving arm wrestler? Yes. Yeah, right. It's like that, but only kind of like 2000s, okay? But yeah. it leans into the utter stupidity of it and it makes it silly, makes it fun. This didn't make anything fun at all. 
and the hour and 50 minutes that it took to be a film felt like a very fucking long hour and 50 minutes. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what they did with that time, but it just it didn't feel like it moved at any real pace at all. No. Yeah. No. Nah, this was definitely not one for... You know, we gave it a try, but ultimately this was a film that I'm glad we got a cinema release. Well, yeah. it did get cinema release across America and across um, anywhere the cinemas could open it within cinemas, but yeah. I, I would have felt a bit ripped off. I mean, I, had to, I mean, I rented this fucking thing, so it did cost me money anyway, but the point is... <laughs> um, it was a lot of it was a lot it was a lot of like fifteen ninety nine was not well spent on this occasion, I would say. No, no, this is definitely this is definitely in the camp of the renting of a movie does not justify the price capping. It's like this is a capping that appears on um was it well in the UK it's like Sky Box Office, but it's like you will be disappointed with yeah. this movie. This film can only be rented. See, even back in the day, you went to Global Video or Blockbuster and you could get like three films for two nights and it would cost you like eight or nine quid. Mm. This would be fine in that. But this is this is yeah. not a, this would not be for me a primary release where I'm going to like pay the big bucks for it. No, um, definitely not. But yeah, so out of 10, I'm giving it a five out of 10. I was giving it a four. Five, <laughs> only because I thought Josh Lawson was fun. Um, yes. Yeah. And I liked, I did like the opening five minutes. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> yeah, but other than that, there's not much to go with, and, and, and there's a couple. There is a couple of nice gory death scenes that are like, oh, that's quite, that's good, but not it's enough. Not enough. Like, not enough. It's not enough. A mortal, like Mortal Kombat game. That is their thing to differentiate yeah. from Street Fighter was the with the fatalities, yeah. and they seem to only show one, and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Out of interest, yeah. were you a Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, or a Tekken person? Uh, I was actually Street Fighter. So right. I, I did dabble with Mortal Kombat, but not a lot. I was always Tekken. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. I've always been Tekken, yeah. Anyway, so 5 out of 10, 4 out of 10 for you. This is one to avoid. Wait, wait for it to come out on a, like you can get it for nothing on Netflix or something like that. Make, let, it, let it hit that kind of thing. Don't waste yeah. money on it. Next film is one I actually thought was a new film, but it was actually out in 2015, but it's only sort of appeared on the, the streaming services of late, so it's been thrown on this week, and it's also yeah. still sitting at home a lot of the time. It's sort of it's not a bad thing, and then again, throwing an older film that sort of reappeared. This film is this called... Is, this is why I just had to double-check with you when you told me originally about it, when I went to watch it last night and it popped up 2015. I just had to, just had to double-check I wasn't sitting through the wrong movie, you know? <laughs> yes. Uh, and this film is called Spring. It's directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who directed a film called Synchronic that I watched very recently. It was very, very good. They also directed a film called The Endless and Resolution. And I believe these are all very much in the same vibe of this one, um, which is sort of sci-fi and sort of... Um, sci the crossover the, the between sci-fi and science and making it feel very real, but also very outlandish at times as well. So anyway, the plot of this film is that a young American goes to Italy because he's trying to find himself. He's suffering after the death of his mother. Um, he bumps into a, a very attractive young lady um, and he has a, 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 a thing, we would say, with her. Um, and it mm -hmm. turns out the young lady may not be who she thinks he is or who she he thinks she is. There's a, yes. a story there of she is something or she is someone. And I'm trying not to spoil it. If you tell what it is, it kind of ruins the story. Um but there's a there's an uncovering of, of, of what he has 
paired up with, and it's done in a very <laughs> interesting way. Um, in the film, you've got Lou Taylor Pucci, uh, who starred in the opening new remake of Evil Dead. He was in that. Um, Nadia Hilka, who's from A Legion and The Walking Dead. Uh, Francesco Canelotti, who plays the old man who works in the farm. And Jeremy Gardner plays the American's best friend in it. So, what, oh, you can start with you think this one. Uh, oh, uh, uh, I was. I had high hopes going into it, right. just because it had been out for so long that, like I said, just appeared on Amazon Prime. But, oh my god, it without spoiling anything, it fucking dragged to get to the fucking meat of the sandwich. I was like, hurry the fuck up, will you? Like, there's so much build up that when it finally gets to what's actually going on with the the town that he finds himself in, you're just a bit like, I'm kind of over this. Like, I, yeah. I'm generally just don't actually care. Like, yeah. and my other bigger gripe was the two the, the American fellas, a backpacker, he's he's pretty much lost his mum and then hightailed it to Italy on a whim. And then when he arrives in this town, he bumps into quite possibly the most stereotypical British people he could ever meet. Yes. Point where even I was deeply offended. Even <laughs> I was like, I met you guys. I'd probably walk away from you too. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm you honest, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not with you. I'm actually, I actually enjoyed a lot more than you did, but I was, I was questioning the first twenty minutes when he is spending time with these. British mm. sort of like sort of what you call them, like football hooligan job sort of backpackers they sort of yeah they kind of guys oh, like, everyone talks like this in Britain you know yeah, come on mate give yourself a beer <laughs> like I was not buying it I was like this I'm not really watch, I'm not going to watch this for them um, yeah once they disappear from the once they go away from the story which does happen thankfully quite early on I was a lot more into it I felt a lot more watchable then. But you're right, it does take a shit long amount of time to get to the point. Not that the point needs to get the reveal straight away. You do want to build up to it. But the whole stuff for them with the British people, for example, that didn't really need to be there. You know, you didn't have to be with them. Um, it could have definitely moved the pace a bit quicker with that. Because once he meets the girl, he essentially doesn't interact with any other human being throughout the whole film after that. So it, it does seem like there was no need for him to be there. Um, I would say I thought it was good performances from both leads, you know, the, the, the um, Pucci and Hilker, I thought they were, they were excellent. He plays a, real, a sort of a really uninspiring guy really well. Like, he, he has a sort of real kind of nobody, isn't he? Like, in a way that you go, you're just, you're, 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 uh, you're an absolute nothing <laughs> as a man. And if anything, the way the tro- story transpires in the end, the fact that he is such a nothing and she is such an amazing person, the fact that mm. she would make decisions in a life that would adhere to him felt very wrong. I was like going, why the fuck would you do that for this dick? He just seems like a complete waste of time. Like he's not a he's not a bad guy. He's not like he's not like an arsehole. He's not like an arsehole. He's just sort of a completely like grey beige man, you know? <laughs> so that's interesting. I, I want I want this to be a new category in the Oscar nominations. A nobody award. <laughs> yeah, Somebody like, that just He's out the park for being an absolute nobody. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's what they wanted from because it was a really odd way of playing it. But he just had like almost a blank personality of nothingness. 
Mm, and yeah. you couldn't argue maybe that's a part of because maybe he's, tra he's traumatized, he's just lost his mother, he's sort of he's dealing with the PTSD of that, so there's a possibility that's what the situation is. But I must have, I must admit, to kind of go back to the start of the movie, like it's not really spoilers because it does happen very early on. Like I'm talking first 10, 15 minutes, if that, that whole entire run of him sitting with his mum and then ultimately his mum dying, that was actually quite heartbreaking, even I, I was know. sitting. Oh man, that's just heavy. <laughs> right off the bat, that's as heavy, you know. Absolutely, and perhaps that's what it was. Maybe his PT, maybe what he was having, a, like a, some people suffering from PTSD, and that explains the sort of the blandness of him. He doesn't really know how to deal with the world. So, mm. framing like that is, is actually a very good performance, or it actually makes sense for what she does then at that point. Um, the storytelling was slow. I, I, I do give you that. I thought it was. I thought it revealed enough continually that I was interested. But I can understand where you're coming from with the idea of it being too slow. I, I think it was right on the cusp of being just enough and being laboured. Mm. So, yeah, I, yeah. I do get where you're coming from. thought there's some really cool design work in here without spoiling the film, but sort of like, yes, what was really unique and really interesting. And it's definitely like nothing I've really seen before, which I thought was, for a, what was yeah. a very low budget film, it looked very impressive. Like I said, I just, I just kind of wish they got to all of that stuff sooner and there was a lot more of that. Like, a lot more of the second half of the movie rather yeah. than the build-up. I felt like the build-up was just... It didn't need almost half a movie worth. Aye, I think you know? I'm with you a little bit. You could probably have trimmed the build-up down by, like, say, 30% and added that 30% onto the final half and yeah. show me more of that and I'd probably be a lot happier. Um, but no, I, yeah, I, yeah, totally. Like, I liked it. I, I thought, I don't know if I'll watch it again, but I found it genuinely very interesting and just sort of these guys, the, the Benson and Moorhead, who are sort of working a little bit outside the studio system and making these sort of really interesting movies with really mm -hmm. big ideas. Now, sometimes I think that, particularly with a film called Synchronic, which is all about time travel and murder, it's really well done. They seem to just maybe overstretch what their idea for their budget, but maybe just get not quite enough of a budget in order to pull off the idea to its full extent. And I think that was slightly the same with this one. The idea is great. The general premise is excellent, but just the budget is so below what they can do with it. They just feel that like they're stretching and reaching to try and make it work a little bit, which is a real shame because it's a really good idea. Yeah, totally, totally. Hopefully, hopefully, when like uh, you know they've obviously got quite a few films under their belt now, if they keep on going, they'll hopefully get that budget that they need to like really make it work. Yeah. Because that that has like good ideas here. Like this seems like a film that kind uh, the people who grew up watching like the Twilight Saga. This seems like a kind almost like an extension of that universe. I know it's not, but it kind of uh -huh. seems like it comfortably sat in it. You know. No, I'm with you. Um, and I'm looking at. I'm trying to find out what they paid for the Synchronic film actually because that was most recent. That had Andrew Mackey in it, and it had um, Jamie Dorn, and that was made for a budget of. I not even said how much the budget was, sorry for that one, but it was it was low. I think, I think you're talking under a million for that one. So even if you give enough of a budget, say, even get them up to even, even two million, you don't have to give them like, you know, like 50 million or 150 million. You make it, just give them two million because I think they can still work in those confines and make it work really well. Totally, totally, man. Um, but yeah, so Spring, it's, I think it is a bit of an acquired taste. Some people, much like yourself, might find it too slow might struggle with it because of that. But I think it's worth giving a little bit of time. Um, particularly on a Sunday afternoon, just sort of lying there watching a Sunday afternoon. It's a good kind of that kind of movie. 
it's something a bit, a wee bit di- it's definitely different, and I'll give it that. Something that's different always appeals to me because we've talked about enough maybe over the past year of doing this in lockdown. There's so much blandness and so much sort of just the same film again and again. That when you do see something that's a little bit different, you actually kind of go, you know what, this plot it for at least trying something and trying to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. Um, I give it seven out of ten. Ooh, nice. I was joining you on that with seven nice. out of ten. That's good. That's good. So definitely a recommendation. Last film of the week is one that is on Netflix, and that is called Things Heard and Seen, uh, directed by Shari Springer Berman and Robert Polici. And um, they did two, they've done two films in the past, one called American Splendor, which I really enjoyed, it's a great movie, and Nanny Diaries, which is a kind of comedy with um Scarlett Johansson. So they're, they're kind of quite hard to pin down of what they're what they're doing. They're, they seem to sort of jump all over the place with genre. This is more of a horror, um, mm. where uh, a young couple, well, middle, mid, sort of early 20s couple, move into a house in uh, upstate New York because one of them got a job working as a teacher. In the house, you start to discover there might be something in the house, perhaps a ghost, perhaps a spirit, perhaps something. At the same time, the husband's basically shagging his way around town and you're watching their marriage essentially dissolve at the same time as there's also ghosts in the house. Um, mm. In the film, you've got Amanda Seyfried. She plays the, the, sort of the main protagonist. Uh, James Norton plays her husband. Natalie Dyer pops up as well. Alexander Neustenstelada. He plays uh, he plays a sort of groundskeeper. Karen, yes. Karen Allen, who I've not seen in the film since Indiana Jones 4, she pops up in it, so it was nice to see her. And F. Murray Abraham plays a sort of wise old sage um, gentleman of the town. Um, I'll start with this one. The trailer for this one made me get it was a film I would quite like. It looked quite moody. It looked quite brooding. It looked one of the kind of horrors I would really go for. Um, the problem with that is, unfortunately, it's a horror film that about maybe 50% of the way through it forgets it's a horror film and just becomes like a sort of thriller. Like, I almost mm. like watched, like, it didn't really lean into any sort of the horror parts for big chunks of it. And it felt like it, it left the horror behind, like almost they lost faith that it could be scary. So they decided just to abandon it. Um, there's quite an eerie atmosphere in it. It, it, it broods, it's, it, they, they use a town well. Um, interestingly, did you know at any point during this film that this film is set in the 80s? No. Up until someone mentioned something on the radio, I'm going, they never made any, it never twigged to me at any point it was in the 80s, which I thought was odd. Um, do, you think, it, do you think it's been an editing choice? Could like, be, maybe a bunch of 80s references and they've just dumped it on the floor? Could be, but, they're, they're really, but then you realize no one uses a phone at any point during it, so that's when I kind of twigged it. Oh, yeah, what's it? Like in the 80s, so it makes sense. Um, but the problem with it is it's so fucking slow. The, the pace of this thing just makes it so dull that I I just lost interest as in, into in what was happening. Um, yeah, I just didn't my, really care. My kind of gripe with this movie, apart from the pace again, was also it was so cliched. I feel like I've sat through these this 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 kind of uh, I don't even want to say lazy because it's you know it's written. You know people have put their heart into it, but it, it's very. It's very safe for a horror stroke thriller, eh, thriller, even. It's like a kind of rocky marriage stroke relationship. They move to a spooky house. Suddenly there's like other people. Yeah, I don't think the house is that spooky looking. I think it was a fucking great house. Yeah. yeah. But it's like there's other people in their kind of world now. And then you realize the fractures within the relationship. And then you're like, 
oh god here we go again like you've seen this a million times and there's much better films that do it you know because uh, they had strands that could have worked like because the play amanda seyfried character the play is sort of like a true like follower of catholicism she, she's a real believer mm-hmm. and they lean into that to begin with that she believes a house is haunted she believes she has a sort of a spirit and she can feel it did you sort mm. of again they sort of abandon that as well and just again start moving it shifting over to this sort of like almost you know family drama with like sort of the husband and wife realizing that there's a problem with their marriage and then we find out and find out about him you know what his sort of backstory is and it felt like that doesn't really fit in with this horror narrative that you seem to be selling on early on um, but not, no problem with the performances I thought they were all whatever they had to do they were very good but the script is so weak it lets them down there's not really much there for them to actually build on um, mm. and I don't think anyone really comes in you know Amanda Seyfried's character just doesn't really have any sort of arc as to what she becomes or what she is um, yeah. and even James Norton who starts out you think he's a doting family man you know he's not a bit of a dick he's having affairs with students and stuff like that even his character isn't it's, it's an arc that doesn't really make sense it's not, it ramps up at one point you go Holy shit, like where the fuck did that come from? Like the the, yeah, des- the the desperation they gave him just didn't really fit in with what he was. You know, it felt so strange. Yeah. And problem with actually a lot of films recently, it's at least 20 minutes too long. Mm, I know. I know. For a horror movie, well horror stroke thriller. But hitting like just over the two hour mark, it's it's a slog, you know. Yeah. And that, I always that feel like horror movies tend to work best any like just we're not about the 90-minute mark. You know, keep it keep it going. Keep the pace up, you know? Snappy. 90-minute 90 90 horror film. Um, and, yeah, I, mean, I feel like there was there was definitely bones of something here that could have been it. It could have been something. You know, the, the horror story in the house, the, the history of the house could have worked. But because you sort of they lost faith in what they were telling that story, it mm. became two different films, and neither film was ultimately really resolved that well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so but uh, honestly, a bit of a letdown. To be fair, I was a bit, you know. But yeah, well, like Stacey had actually watched this movie at some point in the recent past, and she already had pre-warned me that it was a bit kind of meh going yeah. into it. So it didn't change my expectations. I still went in with a fresh mind, but I found myself just being like, yeah, I can I can understand her take on it, you know. There's, there's not. This is, a, this is a phenomenon that happens when only I'm watching cinema, only when I'm watching films at home. It doesn't never happen in cinema because I'm not an evil person. But if I'm watching a film at home, and I suddenly you start glancing at my phone, mm. it's never a good sign, you know. Mm. And I felt with this film, it happened way too early. I was, I was sort of like, you know, you're flicking through Twitter, possibly you maybe look at Instagram, you maybe even look at the news or something, and you sort of just looking up and down the film. I don't do yeah. it in cinema, obviously, because again, I'm a good cinema goer. But at home, you do find that a, a, a great a film is good. Well, still engagement, and I won't look at my phone for two hours or so on. But as soon as my attention starts to wane, if it's just not engaging me, then you do find distraction elsewhere. Aye, aye, totally, totally. Yeah, I found myself distracted with it too quickly and too often. I would give it a five and a half out of ten. What about you? Yeah, I was joining you in the middle of the road, dude. I was giving it a five out of ten. Just yeah. you know, not, not pretty much everything we covered is just. It's okay. There's just better movies who do that kind of like horror thriller thing a lot better, you know. Aye, like even something like Stowaway is better than that. We watched probably that. Oh, we did. I actually enjoyed that more. Like Antebellum, at least, is trying to be interesting. You could probably watch that. 
Um, I think a few other things I've watched recently that was sort of more interesting. Um, mm. Well, let me watch. But there wasn't a horror film like not that long ago. Like, and we thought, you know, it wasn't great, but it's like, you know what? At least it's trying to do something. At least it's it's done what it needs to do well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like host was out like during um, lockdown. It was also like a very well done kind of kind of horror film. Um, I'm trying to think of a film I've been watching. I can't remember what it's called now. Ah, uh, I've, I've lost it. I lost the name of it, man. Um, but yeah, there, there, there's so much. There's just I just felt just felt wasted. I would say just felt wasted. Um, but yeah, so probably if you're going to watch something, I'd probably say watch Spring. Out of yes. Films. Yeah. Not because yeah, it was. It's actually been like just a not a good week for movies. To be honest, it's like you know. Unfortunately, that some of the movies just haven't lived up to the hype, and trailers have led you down the wrong road, kind of thing. I think that's a problem with that things heard and seen. Was the trailer keeps playing every time I've opened Netflix, and the trailer plays it as a horror film, it's like a haunted house kind of you know poltergeisty Amityville horror type thing, and ultimately mm. it's not. And that's when I got because I'm always I was actually having a bit. I'm going, are they gonna get back to the fucking horror? Are they gonna get back to the like what's happened with the house? And they kind of did that's- but really. That's why I'm always a, a, a person who doesn't actually avidly watch trailers unless oh. I happen to be at the cinema because yeah. when I'm at the cinema, I actually enjoy, I want to be there for all the trailers. Yeah. I don't know I don't know what it is about seeing trailers on the big screen, but I enjoy that. Uh-huh. But if I'm sitting in the house, I don't watch any trailers. I prefer just to jump into movies and just let it go because I think it was, it was a couple of weeks ago we were watching a movie for this uh, podcast, and it was the same. The trailer led you down a road, and then when you watch, when I watched the movie, it was like almost like a completely different movie. I'm Aye. like, who's been editing this trailer? <laughs> um, yeah. So that is us for this week. We would definitely say watch Spring over anything else. Yeah. Next week we have some excitingness. We will hope. Well, one of us at least will definitely be in the cinema watching movies. Um, no. All these films, even the ones that are in the cinema, they're still available to buy on video on demand because that's a sort of um, well, we're in this now. There's a sort of a, a real kind of try to do both right now, just while the world's still getting back to normal. So the first one is called The Unholy, which is about a kind of slightly deaf girl visited by the Virgin Mary and can suddenly hear speaking heal people. So she becomes a sort of like a, a saint in the town. Um, and the town sort of starts to fall apart because of that as people start flooding into the into the town and dark forces are afoot. So that you know that looks that looks interesting. At very least it looks interesting. Um, yes. Also out this week, one you mentioned at the start of the uh, the pod, which was Spiral from the Book of Saw, directed by Chris Rock, and I think starring Chris Rock as well. So yes, the Saw franchise I thought was pretty much dead. Um, I've seen well, all the Saw films and. Only really enjoyed, yeah. I think, one of them. So interested in bringing that's it back. Why I, that's why I mentioned it at the top of the show because I had just read online just before we popped on that like people were actually genuinely raving about it and saying like it's the burst of enthusiasm that the franchise desperately needed because, like you said, it's like the franchise has been in a bin for a long time. You yeah. know, they make them quick and they make them cheap and they make money, but they've not been particularly interesting. And um, so yes. that's out. In, that's also out in cinema and on Netflix. We have Amy Adams doing Amy Adams things and the woman in the window, which is a bit like a sort of um, rear window agoraphobia film. So it looks very interesting. 
Um, mm. Reviews have not been kind to it so far, but I'm willing to give it a go because I like Amy Adams. Yeah. 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 Well, we all know the three beers rating is a lot better than most of these established movies. Precisely. We are, we are the rating of the people as opposed to the critics. That's what we are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they can't buy us. <laughs> they cannot buy us. I mean, they absolutely can buy us, and we're open to be bought at any time. We will give Things Seen and Heard a 10-point review if, if you give us beer. Um, but that's all for this week, Barry. Tell me where to find us. All the usual social media haunts at Three Beers in a Movie. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's great. That's all for this week. I'm away from my bed. I'm going up to watch Boston play Washington in the hockey. I've been Richard. You've been... Barry. You've been listening to... Three Beers in a Movie.